and uh, and no, not just coming along, being part of of the church here in Solihull, and it has been great. It has been so good for us, and I just wanted to thank you. And I was beginning to make my way up here to give this bit of encouragement to you when uh, Rob said, "No more encouragement for now." Um, but but I just wanted to encourage you as as a body and thank you for for the welcome you've given us. Um, I know that I haven't managed to speak to all of you yet, um, and now maybe you'll have an excuse uh, to speak to me after this and critique my sermon, and that's fine. Um, I would love to speak to you if I haven't yet, but but just thank you. It's been like coming home, genuinely has, and uh, I didn't think I would say that after two months having been in a church for, for 17 years, but that is what it feels like, so thank you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, I wanted to start with a question this morning, and that is, how are your preparations for Christmas going? Uh, (laughs) Some of you, you don't want to hear that question, uh, and suddenly a list has popped up in your head of the things that you're going to start work on tomorrow. Um, But I guess most of us will have preparations underway to some extent. Um, Let me give you a little insight into the Clay household. Um, The countdown is most definitely on. We have three advent calendars on the go. I'll let you guess who hasn't got one. Um, And currently each of them have eight doors open. Very excitingly, every morning another door is opened. Our tree went up on Friday um, and is now decorated. Um, These various different light Christmas things come through the post every now and again. So on Saturday there was some sort of illuminated star which is now displayed somewhere. On another day there was a some sort of trail of lights and they, they keep appearing through our letterbox. Most of the Christmas shopping is done. My wife is very organised and um, she says it's because that we were hoping to move house before Christmas. Uh, it now just means that she's twiddling her thumbs for the rest of December. Um, but there is one present still to buy. Uh, that's the one that I'm responsible for and uh, I've still got time, I think. We've planned what we're going to do over the Christmas period instead of in terms of seeing family. We've even got a date to go and see Father Christmas on a train somewhere, um, and so that will be fun. And the excitement levels are most definitely rising. This is the first year that Joseph, our eldest son, is really able to kind of anticipate what is uh, going to happen, and who knows whether we'll get any sleep on Christmas Eve, uh, but we shall see. I wonder what it is you're most looking forward to over the Christmas time. Is it the Christmas dinner, that turkey and the gravy, the sprouts, the only time of the year they appear in the house? Is it the gifts? Is it the family get-together? Is it the carols? Is it the the candlelit services? Is it the mince pies and the mulled wine? Is it the Davies extravaganza that goes through beyond midnight as we've just been invited to? (laughs) Is it the Christmas sales? Is it Boxing Day? That's what you're really looking forward to. We know that they're all things that we can anticipate and we can enjoy, but we know as well that they are not what Christmas is really about. Yet often they're the things which demand our attention and demand our time and demand our energy. And this afternoon, I just want us to stop and pause about halfway through Advent. There's still two and a half weeks to go. And just focus on him. Focus on the story. Focus on what this whole thing is about. 
and to help us really as a people not to lose sight of the real story as we kind of go on to that countdown into Christmas. So I'd like to read how it all happened. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 2. And I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 20. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census should be taken of the, all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone about them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest! and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry, and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Let's pray. God, in this busy Christmas season, we just want to carve out some time this afternoon to reflect again on the awesome story of your coming. Father, help us, I pray. Speak to us by your Spirit. Anoint my words as I speak. And may each of us encounter you through this time as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this passage starts off, now in those days. And, uh, and, it, and Luke, unlike the other gospel writers, he kind of really pinpoints the time that, when these things happen. And, uh, and he tells us that there's going to be a census. It's called, and everyone has to go back to their hometown to register and they registered really for the purpose of being taxed. 
So it's like each of us having to go back to wherever it says on our birth certificate so that they can say, that's where we are, we know where you are, and now you can pay us this amount of money. So it's that sort of system. But this is no accident. This is no coincidence that that Mary and Joseph end up going to Bethlehem when Jesus is about to be born. And I'd like you just to look briefly at Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. And Paul writes this to the church at Galatia. He says, when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive the adoption of sons. So when Luke says, now in those days, Paul says, that is the fullness of time. The fullness of time came and God sent forth his son. That narrative that we just read is a description of the most incredible miracle that ever happened. God became man. This creator of the whole universe condensed himself somehow to the size of a newborn baby. Even before that, to kind of two cells. I think that's how it all begins. It's incredible. He took on flesh. He limited himself to the body and life of a human being. When the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. There was no accident about this. He was born of a woman. He was totally, totally human. He was born under the law. He subjected himself to living a human life according to the law as laid out by God. Absolutely. But I think there's another aspect of this. And the fact that a census is happening, I think he subjects himself even in the very moment of his birth to those worldly authorities that would say, you have to be here. And so he is there. Incredible that the God of the universe would allow that to happen to himself. And yet, he had to be born in Bethlehem. It was prophesied by Micah. He had to be born in this city of David. And God orchestrates the events so that that can happen. When the fullness of time came, that is where Jesus was born. And I think the first thing that I want to draw out of this passage is the fact that this incredible event is happening. The fullness of time has come. And yet, what we have on our hands is an unnoticed saviour. He slips into history with barely a kind of ripple. And so we see Luke say in verse 6, while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. The time came for her to give birth. Emmanuel, God with us, it happens there and then in Bethlehem. So who is this baby? Well, the angel, because it took an angel to announce his birth, this angel said two things about him in verse 11, says that he is a saviour. 
Now the Jews were longing for a saviour. They were longing for, for someone to get rid of these occupying Roman forces that were telling them, you go back to your city so we can tax you. They didn't like that. And I just love the way these things sit together. That on the one hand, the authorities are saying, go there, do this, do that. And on the other hand, God's saying, here's your saviour. But how humiliating for this people to have to uproot and, and go back to their cities just so they can pay money to the people who are occupying their land. How they longed for a saviour. How they longed for someone to come and bring them freedom. And so he's described as the saviour, but he's also described as Christ the Lord. (laughs) Wow. Christ the Lord. Christ means the anointed one. This is no ordinary baby. This is the anointed one of God. The chosen one, the one who is appointed to bring salvation to his people. To fulfill all these incredible Old Testament utterances, prophetic words that point and indicate towards the day when God will come and rescue his people. The Saviour, Christ the Lord. I want to take you to another Christmas scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. We often read it, we might even read it next weekend. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says this, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called, this is the baby who we're talking about, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. That's not all. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David, where is he born? In the city of David. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forever. This is the Saviour. This is Christ the Lord. This wonderful, wonderful counsellor, God, eternal one, Prince of Peace. This is a seriously special baby. While the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, for there was no room for them in the inn. How can it be that this baby is born into that manger? Amazing. The humiliation that there must have been, that there is no bed, no house, no home for them, but in this animal house. Such a special and significant baby who just slips in to this barn. You can imagine the scene, can't you? It's census, so everyone's coming home. The town would have been absolutely teeming with visitors. There was no room for them in the inn. That's how full it was. And you can imagine the the family reunions that are going on. What have you been up to for the past however long? Have you heard about such and such's new job? Have you heard such and such has gone into university, passed their A-levels, whatever it is has been happening in the family? The kind of, my, how you've grown, comments. And down the road and round the corner and tucked behind the overflowing inn 
in a building that just cows and sheep go into, is born the saviour of the world. Nobody even noticed. Mary, Joseph and the baby and a couple of livestock. That's it. And God knows that's not good enough for his son. The message needs to get out there. And so he sends an angel with quite a few angelic friends who could sing in verse 13. A multitude of the heavenly host. And they reinforce the message. In fact, they announce the message to these shepherds outside of the town, away from the hustle and bustle because no one's listening there. But out on the hillside, in the night watch. I read a comment the other day that struck me as quite amusing. That shepherds watched their sheep through the night and we advise our children to count sheep to go to sleep and uh, just struck me as amusing but they're there in the fields watching over their sheep but no one else notices he is an unnoticed saviour and I wonder how easy it is for each of us as we go through Advent as we build up to Christmas to kind of lose sight in the hustle and bustle, in the meeting and greeting, in the events, in the parties, in the food, in the preparation, in the tinsel and wrapping paper. And we lose sight that down there is born the saviour of the world. I think it's too easy for me to do it. I think it's too easy for us to do it. And so I want to bring a challenge this afternoon of how noticeable is Jesus to you this Christmas? Have you paused to gaze upon him, to look into that manger and wonder afresh at the fact that this is God made man? Have you built into your plans for Christmas, not just your Sunday attendance and there are going to be Christmassy events happening, but a chance to pause and think? That might be easier said than done. I realise that. But have you done it? Have you planned to do it? Will you plan to do it? How are your children hearing about Jesus and his birth this Christmas? Do we leave it to the outstanding work that is done just behind me? Or do we do something about it in our homes? Are we talking about it? Are we telling the story? Are we just amazed along with our children about this coming of Jesus. Let him not be an unnoticed saviour for us. But the second thing is, not just an unnoticed saviour, but, but the angel brings an unexpected message. The angels came along, or the angel came along, and said, the saviour has been born, and you'll find him in a manger. That in itself is surprising. This incredible character that the whole of Israel are waiting for is now in a manger. He's arrived, but no one noticed. You see, the saviour was to re-establish the kingdom. It was to elevate Israel again to the, to the levels of the nation under King David, which was the greatest days, the heyday of the nation. 
And we see that if we read Acts chapter 1. So Jesus has lived his life, he's done his ministry, he's died, he's risen again. And the disciples say, great, so are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Just imagine Jesus going, oh my word, when are they going to learn? But their mindset was still that of the Jews. Still that of Israel, that this king, this kingdom would be re-established. But instead, the saviour, they're told, is in a manger. And he will bring peace. That's the key thing that's brought out here. Is that this saviour will bring peace. The angelic choir, I don't know how long they practiced for this verse, but glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. They only really say two things, two features of this king who is coming, this saviour. One, that glory will be given to God. Two, that peace will be brought to men. Just two things. So they must be important. I think as we then look at the rest of Jesus' life and ministry, we can see how glory is brought to God. Everything Jesus did brought glory to God. But what about peace? That's what's promised to us. Peace to men. Well, peace is a good message. Absolutely good message. The world values peace. The world invests huge amounts of resources in working towards peace and striving to achieve it. Um, A report came out from the Institute of Economics and Peace. You can guess what they focus on. Um, But the name of the report is the Pillars of Peace Report. And uh, they reckon that there are eight key pillars that will bring about peace. I've put them on the screen for you. So I'll let you peruse those. I don't think there's anything on there we would particularly disagree with. Low levels of corruption, acceptance of rights of others, equitable distribution of resources. It all seems like if those things were in place, then we'd have a shot at peace. They also helpfully produce a map of the world, which is the Global Peace Index. So um, there it is. You don't want to be in the red zone. okay? But what they do is they measure relative levels of peace in the different nations, and then they, they colour code the whole earth according to that. It's based on these sorts of these eight pillars and various other measurements that they do. So absence of conflict and and this kind of thing. And what struck me as I looked into this a little bit, um, was that the peace that they're talking about is focused on this life. It is focused on the peace between individuals. It's focused on the peace between nations. It's focused on the cessation of hostility and the fairness that there needs to be in order for there, I guess, not to be jealousy and envy of other people's resources and wealth and so on. It's about tolerance. It's about acceptance of difference. None of those things are bad in and of themselves. But I would argue that you can have all of those things and still not know peace. And the reality is that we have a message brought by the angels here that is about what real peace is. So I'm just going to do a quick skim of a couple of New Testament verses so that you can realise something about peace, 
So Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. As I read these, don't just think, oh, this is peace. Think, this affects me. This is about me. Okay, so I'll read it again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we, you, I, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You cannot be reconciled and not be at peace. Peace and reconciliation. The two things go hand in hand. Ephesians chapter 2 says more. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. The two groups there are are Jews and Gentiles. But we were far off and we've been brought near, brought into peace. And verse 17 says that he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Isn't that amazing? Jesus comes, he himself is our peace and yet he preaches peace to us. And then, of course, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This incredible peace can be known. It's not a peace that can be generated through our own understanding or rationalised or explained or given to someone cannot be created by human effort. It is a peace that passes understanding and it is right from the throne room of heaven. And so when the angels sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, that is what they are talking about. This is the true meaning of Christmas. The true message that God has taken on human form with the sole aim of reconciling us back to him. Reconciliation means peace. The message is that God comes as a man, as the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah said, who will establish a reign of peace that will last for all eternity and we can be in that reign of peace. We can be part of this real kingdom that will be established, that the Saviour sets up. But we can't escape that at the moment that this message is given, it is an unexpected one. It is not what the Jews were expecting. It is not what the shepherds were expecting. Because how can a baby in an animal trough, in an obscure town, far away from his home, in a borrowed stable, be the means that we could be reconciled to God? But remember, this was the fullness of time. This was the fullness of time. God has landed on earth in order to establish peace. So we have an unnoticed saviour, we have an unexpected message, and we also have some unlikely messengers. 
I don't know who you would choose if you had a really important message to deliver. Um, and let's make it more specific. If you had a, a message of peace for the world, who would you choose to deliver the message? This is who the world chooses. So the UN messengers of peace. don't know whether you recognise any of them. Stevie Wonder, yeah. Anyone else? George Clooney, yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Yeah, Daniel Barenboim's up there. And various others. We're not going to wait here till we get all 13 of them. Um, there's Michael Douglas, Charlize Theron. Uh, yeah, and so on. This is what um, the UN Messengers of Peace are defined as. They are distinguished individuals carefully selected from the fields of art, literature, music and sports. Most of them are covered up there. Backed by the highest honour bestowed by the Secretary General of the UN on a global citizen for an initial period of two years, these prominent personalities volunteer their time, talent and passion to raise awareness of UN's efforts to improve the lives of billions of people everywhere. They are celebrated personalities who gracefully lend their names, reputations and energy to press for a more peaceful world. Good on them. Thirteen of them. That's who the world chooses to communicate a message of peace. Who does God choose? In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. That's who God chooses. A bunch of shepherds, we don't know their names, We don't know anything about them other than that they were shepherds. One commentator writes about shepherds. He said, amongst the occupations, shepherding had a lowly place. They were outcasts, not allowed in the city, not trusted by the general public, for often they were thieves. I don't think you could tar any of those people up there with that brush. Outcasts of society. Who do you identify more closely with? The UN messengers of peace or the shepherds? Maybe you're a celebrity. Maybe you're famous. Maybe you're across all the pages of OK and Hello magazine. In which case, I haven't met you over coffee, but I would like to. Shepherds or celebrities? It was the shepherds who first heard the good news. And God chooses shepherds, and he now chooses us. That's the thing. We don't have to be these famous individuals who have the luxury of being able to give up all our time for these great causes. We can be ordinary people who spend our lives on the fringe of society, like the shepherds did. But they're entrusted, and we're entrusted, with a message of peace. And so I just want to look very briefly, in closing, at what they did with this message. And I think they did three things. I think, first of all, they proved the message. They proved it to themselves. They went down in a hurry and found Mary and Joseph and the baby and checked it out. 
They needed to check it out. They'd had an angel appear to them in the middle of the night and say the Saviour's been born. That needs checking out before you do anything else. They needed to satisfy themselves that this was indeed the case. And so they went and found the baby in a hurry, straight away, checked it out. The second thing they did was that they proclaimed the message. They not only proved it, they proclaimed what had been said about the baby. We see in verses 17 and 18 that they made known the statements. You can imagine it, can't you? They burst in through the door and go, is there a saviour here? And Mary and Joseph are there a little bit confused. And so they sit down and tell them what had happened. And of course it would chime with them. They both had angelic visitations. Mary, the angel appeared, you'll be with child. Joseph, don't worry, take Mary as your wife. It's fine. And now they come and say, an angel has told us the Saviour has been born. But not only did they tell Mary and Joseph, in verse 18 it says, all who heard it wondered. They wouldn't have been able to contain themselves. They left that stable and they went and told people the message of peace. The Saviour has been born. And they did it, thirdly, by praising. Verse 20, they praised the picture I've got is the, of them is in this town with the, all the people around and they just kind of charge through the streets celebrating, singing. Maybe even they picked up the lyrics to the chorus that the angels had sung. I don't know. But they praised. They praised. Why? Because they couldn't help themselves. Because God has come. A few weeks ago we heard that we were ambassadors. Ambassadors of peace. Exactly the same message here. We are peace envoys, commissioned by the Prince of Peace, with a message of peace to go and take it to a world that needs peace, to a world that lives in hostility. And I think a key way we do that is we praise. We praise as a people. And so I'd like to finish this afternoon by praying for two groups of people. I think this time of year is a time of year where two things can happen. In the experience I've had in working with people, two things happen. One is that people wonder what Christmas is really all about. And my favourite afternoon of the year, I was a teacher, um, and it would be to go to the pub with my colleagues at the end of term and just talk. And everyone's kind of demob happy. You've had a shattering term as a, as a teacher in the autumn. And you get to that point and people just seem to want to talk. Didn't happen at other times of the year. Maybe I'm not that friendly. But it happened at Christmas. And the other thing that happens, I think, so people are kind of questioning it. And the other thing that happens is that um, there are a whole load of different social things that happen. Things that we can invite people to, like our carol service like the Kaylee that we had a couple of weeks ago. Different things which are just there, they're different from normal. And we'll find ourselves in different situations, Christmas parties, Christmas assemblies, carol services, etc., etc. And so I want to pray for people who want to be full of the Spirit, that we can go into those events that happen as praisers, like the shepherds were. This isn't an onerous and heavy thing that we've got to have our personal tract, our four-point gospel. It's not about that. It's about being people who know that God has come and therefore we praise. And it might be that in the school assembly you just sing the carols like you mean it, because you do. And that will make a difference. 
But I want to pray for people who know that they've got things coming up and they just want to be a people full of the Holy Spirit. To take advantage, if you like, of those opportunities which God would lay in front of us. A chance where we step into our calling as peace envoys. And the second thing, group of people that I would like to pray for, is for if you've found it hard so far to keep Jesus as the focus of all of this hustle and bustle. I think there's real grace for you this afternoon just to reorientate things so that Jesus is central once more. And I believe that by his spirit, he will give us strength to keep him at the focus and the fo- as the focal point of all that we do. And I know things get hectic, but it's all about him. And so I'd like to to pray for you. And it might be that you, you know that over the Christmas period you're not going to be in an environment that is conducive to that. Maybe you've got a family who won't even hear the, the name of Jesus uttered on Christmas Day. And that's hard. It could be that you just have so many other responsibilities that you know it's going to be tough to do that. Well, I believe that Jesus can break into that. And so I want to pray for you this afternoon. I just wonder if we could have the, the band back. We're going to stand and, and worship. We're going to sing a song that focuses us on, focus is us on Jesus. And I would like to pray for those two groups of people. So if you just know that you, you've got things coming up and you want to be someone full of the Spirit to take advantage of those opportunities as they arise, to be a, a bearer of this message of peace, then I want to pray for you. And similarly, if you want to just take some time to to bring Jesus back into focus, then again, we would love to pray for you. So if I can ask you to come forward as we sing this song, that would be great. Thank you.